Do you know we're in the time right now where a lot of people are asking, especially young people, they're getting toward the end of the, the school year and they're asking the question, and many people are asking, in fact, I asked a couple this this morning, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do after you finish school? And some people are asking you, what are you going to do when you grow up? <laughs> people are still asking me that. And, and you know, the question is, is usually around the occupation you're going to be doing. And we, we say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm being trained to do this. In the Christian life, there's a different word. The apostle uses it in one of the epistles, and he calls it vocation. And so today we're going to talk about our vocation. In other words, our calling. A lot of us are going to be doing lots of different things to make a living in our life, but we all have a calling. And today, for the next three weeks, we're going to continue with our series or an identity from the book of Colossians. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Colossians in chapter number four. And you're saying, well, boy, we've seemed to be in this book for quite a bit of this year. It has been. Every holidays, we're, we're going back to this. This is the 12th message in this series. And we're going to um, look at the, um, the last chapter over the next three weeks as we discover our Christian vocation. And as you're turning to it, the, the notes are in your bulletin, and you're, you're welcome to follow along. And I put some, some key thoughts in there for you. And the book of Colossians, just to give you some background on it, the Apostle Paul, um, writing um, from Rome, and he's under house arrest in Rome, and he's, he's um, writing these important epistles to the, the churches to show them how they're to live. And this book especially tells us not just how to live, but begins with our identity. And in chapter number one, he talks about the truth that we have. He calls it the word of truth in the gospel. Um, In Jesus Christ, you and I have found truth, have we not? I I need an amen for that one. Okay, well, there you go. And so we found truth. I stopped looking. I know now now that I have found Jesus Christ as my savior what I'm now doing is discovering what he has for me and what I'm doing um, what he's doing in my life and I find out in the, in the first chapter of Colossians that Jesus Christ is preeminent in everything everything's about Lord Jesus Christ he's preeminent in the creation he's preeminent in our redemption he's preeminent in the church The head of the church is Jesus Christ. And everything that we're doing as believers in Jesus Christ, regardless of what we're actually doing, we're doing it with the identity of Christ in us. And then we found out in chapter number two that in Jesus Christ, we find that we have the treasures of wisdom and we have the treasures of knowledge. And that protects us. That protects our mind. That's why we're to be in the Bible. Because as we learn these different things, we learn that we can be protected from the enticements of the world and the various things that the world has for us. You know, uh, uh, the world does these little, um, what they call clickbait. And, and, and it just grabs your attention all, all the time. It protects you from that when you understand the the treasure of the wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It also protects you from the vain philosophy that is going around. It protects you from from worshiping improperly or false worship. And it also protects you from man-made doctrines that are added all the time. Over the last 2,000 years of church history, a number of man-made doctrines have come up. And knowing your identity in Christ builds that protection. 
We get to the third chapter, and the Apostle Paul goes down and he says, the reason why you can do all this is because of what you, who you are in Jesus Christ, your position in Christ. He says you've been raised with Christ. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Being a Christian is not what you're doing, it's who you are. And he says that Jesus Christ is our life. And by doing that, he says there's, there's a, th- a few things. And Adam kind of mentioned this just a moment ago. Decisions that you will have to make day by day. And those decisions involve two different things. Putting off and putting on. Remember that scripture there he's talking, put off the old man, put on the new man. You could be saved for five minutes or 50 years and you're going to be going through that every single moment and that is a blessing is you put off as as he says you you put off the things of the old life like like anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy filthy language out of your mouth lying and, and 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 trying to be something that you're not he says you put that off and you put on the the wonderful things of the knowledge of jesus christ and he lists all those different things that have to do with the fruit of the spirit then of course he gets down to where we live (laughs) And that's what we talked about last school holidays. Gets down to right where we live, our home life. And he talks about the relationship that a husband has to a wife and a wife to a husband and a child to a father and a father to a child. And then he talks about our work life and how we're to be responding as employees or employers. And there you go. That's the book of Colossians. And then we get to chapter four. And we're going to start in verse number two because verse number one is really a completion of chapter three. And so follow along, if you will, um, with me. It'll be also on the screens. Colossians chapter four and verse number two. The apostle Paul says here, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He continues, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The basic principle that we're going to be talking about today is that the proclamation of the gospel is our life, and that's empowered by our prayer life. And, um, and so he gives us a checklist. And a lot of times it's, it's important. This morning, when, when I got this morning, I had this checklist that, that I have to go through. And, um, and I, I say to my wife, and, and she's, she's with the children this morning, but, but I say to my wife, I say, okay, um, I've done this, this, and this, and this. Is there anything I've forgotten? And she goes, and she goes through with me, and there was two things I forgot. I had to get out of the car, go back home, and get it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a key to open this place up. Simple little things like that could have absolutely changed the way my whole morning went. Checklists are very important. Some of you will be flying out tonight, and I don't want to make you nervous. <laughs> but <laughs> certain people, I don't want to make you nervous. But your 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 um your pilot is not going to be so good that he gets in that 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 cockpit and thinks, "I got this." He'll have a checklist, 
And you'll be sitting there, and he and the co-pilot will be, or she and the co-pilot, whoever, will be going by, and they'll be doing check, 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 and they make sure and they double-check everything. Why? Because that's their occupation. That's their calling. That's what they're there for. They have, we, we depend on that. In the Christian life, the Apostle Paul has kind of given us a checklist now. After telling us who we are and how we're to live, what he does is he gives us three different things quickly and he tells us here's what we need to be doing and the apostle gives us this checklist in, in verses number three and four um uh, two three and four when he says it would be number one watchful when we pray not just praying but watchful when we pray and he directs us especially for praying for those in ministry and then he talks about how our life is to be in wisdom walking in wisdom And we find that in verse number five. And then in verse number six, um, we we find that he says that we're to be a witness with grace as we share the gospel with others. So we see that the vocation that you and I have, this is what we are living for, is our calling. And that is, as the Apostle Paul sums it up here, it's to pray constantly, staying alert, being thankful as we communicate with God in prayer. We should pray and seek opportunities to declare Christ to the lost in every situation that we're in. We are to seize those opportunities because of the day that we're living in. And that's the summary. So look at verse number um, um, two to four. And um, we see here, number one is, Paul says we're to be watchful in prayer. That's one of the biggest struggles that Christians have today is their prayer life. And, and if you're not struggling with your prayer life, then come and see me because I, I want to take some notes from you. But um, you could be not struggling in your prayer life because maybe you don't have a prayer life. Because he says right here, he uses some key words here. Number one is, he says, we're to continue in it. Number two, he says, it's to be earnest. It's to be vigilant. And it's to be thanksgiving. In other words, we're to have purpose when we're praying over this last month we've done the 938 prayer challenge i hope you've had it on your phone and maybe we'll hear it this morning at 938 your phone goes off and it tells you don't forget to pray and we've been doing that um, and it gets us in the habit of remembering that that the prayer is our vocation it's our calling in your notes here i've put about six different things that you can pray for for those who are people in ministry. Because that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Let me read that verse again. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. He's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to professionals. He's talking to normal Christians like you and me. And he's telling us to do that. And then he invites us to go into a partnership with him in prayer. That's something that each one of us can do. And that's something that that Michael's been challenging us to do all month. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us. That God would open to us a door for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. That I, that is the Apostle Paul, may make it manifest or may reveal it as I ought to speak. That I may have the words to say as I needed to say it. And so there's six different areas. Let me go over them quickly with you. First of all, let me encourage you. 
to purposefully pray for people in ministry. Pray for those who are doing the ministry in this church. Begin with that. Uh, name them the, in the music and in the preaching and in the, and the, um, even the greeting and the setting up and the, and the people in the kids' church. Pray for them spiritually for they have victory in their spiritual warfare because Ephesians 6 tells us that we're all in a spiritual warfare. So pray for them in that regard. Pray that they have the right walk with God. Pray that they will have opportunities, as Paul says here, and the boldness to proclaim the truth of the gospel. It is so easy today for people to, to step back and not to be bold in their faith. Today's the day that we need to be bold in our faith. So pray for us spiritually. Pray for each other spiritually. He also says pray materially. Um, that, that's a good one too. Uh, there's several scriptures, but I'm not going to spend time with that. But that we would have provision to do the work of God. We have faith promise missions here at our church right now. And, and, um, and hopefully you still have those little cards. And if you haven't put them in yet and you would like to be a part of that, Put that in the offering today. Because, and then begin to pray that our missionaries would be provided with the materials that they need to do the work that God has called them to do. In other words, I'm talking about financial support. And then pray for them socially. Um, th that, that they would have a good testimony um, with other people. That they would maintain good relationships. When our missionaries are out on the field. Or even the pastors when they're working with other pastors. And we're working with people. They need, need to maintain good relationships. People are people. And um, often um, socially it can be awkward. And so pray for them. These are very practical things that the Apostle Paul is talking about. We have teachers here at this school and at other different Christian schools that, that are members of our church and part of our church family. We need to pray for them as they interact with other people as they move out. They, they also that they will build close bonds with their family. They would have a strong family commitment. Can you imagine how strong our churches would be if our people would pray for the church leaders in that regard? And then also pray, I wrote down, intellectually. That they would know how to correctly use the English language in this case. I think of our missionaries. I was thinking about missionaries when I, when I talked about that. How they have to learn a new language. They have to learn new culture. We live in a very multicultural society, don't we? Uh, although if you took a poll here, I've got a feeling most of them come from a certain culture. And I'm having to learn your culture. And, um, and it's an important thing to pray for us that we'll be very wise in, in, in moving across into a different culture and getting to know people. That we would know our scriptural skills. Pray that, as, as, that there would be no novices in the ministry, that they would be in the word of God and, and, and they would be sharp in their minds and there wouldn't be things that would take away from the ability for them to study the word of God. Do you remember in the book of Acts? That's exactly what was happening in the book of Acts in the first, um, in, in chapter number six in the book of Acts when, when the church was growing phenomenally and, the, and they had lots and lots of different issues going on, especially with the taking care of the widows um, of, of the church members. And so the, um, um, the, the apostle says, it is not for us to leave the word of God and serve tables. Let's appoint faithful men Let's appoint men full of the Holy Spirit. Let's appoint bold men 
to do that task. Why is that? Because those are very, very important tasks for them to do. So the church did that. And so these are very important things to do. And they said that they went and they prayed about it. And they went and appointed those. Pray for them physically, number five. Physically, that they would be delivered from wickedness and for safety and for endurance in the trials. Um, we have a number of missionaries and sometimes um, the missionaries will send us a report and they say, we're going off and we're going to do this. Stop and pray that they would have traveling mercies during that time. Very practical things, aren't they? And then, of course, emotionally. We live in a, in a day and age when there's a lot of fear going around. And your Christian leaders need to have a calmness of spirit with the ministry concerns today. So pray for that. Pray for them, that especially our missionaries, that they would have companions that they could work with, they could have fellowship with, and that could be encouragement to one another. There's your checklist. Praying vigilantly. That's what prayer is. You can't be doing that by doing some rote prayer, can you? You must do that by actually knowing the ministry and knowing the concerns. And so we see that vigilant praying demands spiritual energy and alertness. That's a key thought. So the first thought that we have here is be watchful when you're praying. Be alert. Have spiritual energy and be vigilant. Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 7. Listen closely to what Peter says here because he says it very clearly. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. If Peter was trying to tell us to be vigilant in our praying, how else would he say it? Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Paul talks about it when he talks about the spiritual battle in Ephesians chapter 6. And he gets down to the verses 18 and 19. And he sums it up all up by saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And he says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. It reminds me of Acts chapter four of the Jerusalem church. And the, the Bible says that the word of God was growing and it was going out there. And so, and, and so Peter and John um, uh, were making a difference and they were arrested. And the Sanhedrin council made a command and they commanded them to keep their mouths shut. Don't preach anymore. You, you can do what you want to do, but don't proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ anymore. And so the apostles went right back to the church and they asked for boldness. And if you read that chapter, you'll see that they actually sat down and they prayed for boldness. And, um, and he says, not just boldness, but boldness to speak the word of God. And in Acts chapter four and verse number 31, he says this, the prayer was answered. The end of that verse says, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. It was an answer to prayer. So that's the first checklist that we have here that we can look at. We need to be watchful in prayer. And number two is we need to be walking in wisdom. In verse number five, Paul continues and he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. That's an important thing. People are watching. 
Um, our testimony, it must back up what we're praying about and will back up our words. We learn that a constant or a consistent personal testimony can actually gain an audience for the gospel. What do I mean by that? In other words, your consistent personal testimony can actually create a thirst in another person to say, why are you the way you are? We must make maximum use of our opportunities for the gospel because it is indeed good news. Uh, Jesus Christ took fishermen and turned them into fishers of men. He took, he took ladies who were, who were the outcasts and he turned them into vessels of, of mercy and grace. And, and wonderful, wonderful things that they did that absolutely changed their life. In the book of Matthew, in chapter number 5, in verses 13 to 16, Jesus presents two images to describe his followers in the world. And this is you and me. This is how Jesus says that his church is to be doing. These are important because Paul is talking about our identity in Christ. So listen to what Jesus said. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Are you getting the picture? So he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light. Paul states it clearly in Ephesians chapter 5 when he talks about we're not to be living foolishly. We're to be living purposefully in this age that we live in today, especially young people. We, we, we look into the future and, 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 and your future has incredible potential, but it only has potential if you serve the purpose. And so he says here in Ephesians 5, he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I'm going to throw something in here. I wonder how many lives have been cut short because of foolish decisions that could have been taken care of when they were a child, but they went out and they lived that way and their lives have been cut short. He says, no, we're to be walking circumspectly, carefully, not like foolish people, but like wise people. We're to be redeeming the time in verse number 16, he says, because the days are evil. He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. One of the first things you do with a child is you teach them safety. You teach them not to do certain things, not to touch certain things. Don't put your fingers in the toaster. Don't, don't, don't do that. And don't do that it hurts and um and 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 we teach them how to walk across the street we teach them how to go swimming we teach them all these different things why because it's dangerous out there and in the spiritual context as well we're to be very serious about the vocation that we have as christian believers it's a wonderful thing that you're here today because the book of hebrews encourages us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to build one another up as we see the day approaching. And so 
Charles Swindoll gives us a really great quote here. It's a rather long quote, but it's, it, it will sum up everything that, that, that I think I'm trying to say here. He says, when you are wise, you size people up. You pay attention to who they are and how they think. You learn from the signals that they give you. Wisdom doesn't come across as being as unbecoming or being rude. People are not coerced or forced or embarrassed into believing the gospel. They are charmed into um, righteousness. Not sure if I would have said it that way, but I'm quoting him. He said, no one wants to be made to look foolish. Wisdom wears well. It's winsome. It's convincing. Don't be unwise, the Bible tells us but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Walk in wisdom toward those who are out, Paul says. Second tick in your checklist here. And redeem, buy back that time and use that time. And then thirdly, in verse number six, finally, the apostle Paul says here that we're to, our witness is to be with grace and to be seasoned with salt. He says in verse number six, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. He's talking about our speech here. And in our speech, I use the, the W word because I, I was going to say use your words. But, um, but speech here is our witness. And Paul reminds us that our talk is to be gracious, is to be attractive, is to be informed. There's a lot of angry Christians out there, aren't there? There's a lot of Christians who are just, they got the, there's, there's something going on there. They just don't have the peace of God in their life and they, they, they seem to be angry a lot. He says, don't let that be, be you. He says, this reminds us of, 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 of the light and the salt that Jesus Christ was talking about. In this day and age, we use salt basically to enhance flavor, don't we? But in that day, they used salt to enhance flavor, but also to preserve. It's a preservative. Allow our words to be gracious, to be seasoned. That means that we're going to have to be watchful in prayer, and we're also going to have to know that our walk is with wisdom, and by doing that, this comes naturally. Let me give you a few things. I think this is in your bulletin. Let me give you a few things to think about when you, talk, when you do your talk. Make it truthful. Make sure it's respectful. Make sure it's with gratitude or grateful. It's intentional. It's kind. It's consistent. It's wise. It's opportune. It's faithful. And indeed, it's wholesome. The Apostle Peter gives us a clue as to how we're to ever do that. How are we ever to allow the words of our mouth to match what we've been um, in, in that checklist that Paul says in the wise walk? Peter talks about when he says that we're to set the Lord above all in our heart. Prepare ourselves ahead of time in order to what we're going to um, talk about for the day. Do you know you have every opportunity when you wake up in the morning to choose what you're going to say? The first thing that comes out of your mouth. The first thing that, 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 that you're going to, the attitude that you're going to have before you go to the, to the office or to the work site. It, because what we're going to have to do is to choose how we're going to express that hope that lies within us. First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, he says, here's how you do it. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and 
always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Peter nails it here. Peter says the thing that we need to do is first of all, make Jesus number one in our life. And as we do that, most people, whenever they're asking something of you, you look beyond what they're asking. What they're actually asking is, what is your hope? Where's your confidence? You know, we pastors a lot of times get into doctrinal things that we, that we discuss with other pastors and, and we, we get into it and we, we can d- divide this and do this. But you know, the real question is, the defense of the faith is, where's your hope lying? Where's your confidence? Who are you trusting in? I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Paul says he did the same thing. And he gives us three chapters here in Colossians to, to give that basis for it. Now he says, live out that hope. To sum it up, we must see that our conversation and our conduct will always arise from our character. Warren Wiersbe, a, a man I often quote from, he says, when character, conduct, and conversation are all working together, it makes for a powerful witness. So there's your checklist. Three different things, three different areas that you and I can start working on today, right now, as we, as we move through and understand our Christian vocation. Because how we live is very, very important. In every area of our life, Bruce Barton, um, who was a U.S. congressman as well as a writer and a whole bunch of other stuff um, several years ago, he said this, sometimes when I consider what tremendous consequences come from little things, I am tempted to think that there are no little things. You think about that for a moment. A lot of consequences come because of the little things that you do. And they, and, and they build up. Can you imagine if, if you took those checklists and began to practice that in your life today and tomorrow and the next day as the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do? You're going to find that your life is going to change. Those little things have great consequences. How are you going to respond to Paul's exhortation here? Let me give you four things. First of all, strengthen your commitment to pray. Don't become satisfied in your prayer life. Paul says, be watchful, be specific, be visionary in your prayer life. Ask God, number two, for greater wisdom in your Christian walk. Develop that insight that you need when when you're looking at people and you're seeing what their real needs are. Use common sense when you're dealing with people. Look at the big picture. Think before you respond. That's a biggie for me. I actually underline that because it's a biggie for me. Think before you respond. And number three is pay closer attention to those who are without Christ. They're certainly watching your life. You do have a Christian testimony. People are noticing. It's better to, to love them and to communicate with them more clearly when you understand them. And then number four is remember that your words do matter. So make sure that you speak intentionally, Paul says. Consider how you're going to be heard. Lord, we thank you for your word today. 
And I pray, Lord, that it will speak to our hearts, that we understand the importance of what it means to be identified with Jesus Christ, who is our life. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue and conclude with this service, Lord, with, with, with the Lord's table and the Lord's supper, Lord, that we will understand this identification means that when you died, we died. When you were risen from the dead, we rose with you. Our life is in you. So, Lord, I pray that you'll meet with us right now as we have our communion service, Lord, and also, Lord, that we would, as we go to the baptism, we'll rejoice in seeing this wonderful gospel message being proclaimed in symbolic form. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.